Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Airfares are through the roof. You know this. And, of course, a key driver is the price of oil. But, you know, oil is not the only cost for airlines. Airlines have to pay staff and buy or lease planes and acquire customers. So it seems like right now is a great moment to take one of my favorite questions in general and apply it to the airline industry. How do you use technology to make stuff cheaper? And for today's show, I found the perfect person to answer that question for airfares. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where entrepreneurs and engineers talk about how they're going to change the world once they solve a few problems. My guest today is David Nieleman. David has founded five airlines, including, most famously, JetBlue. Also, he founded a Brazilian airline called Azul, where he is still the controlling shareholder. And most recently, David founded a new U.S. discount airline called Breeze. David's problem is this. How do you use technology to drive down the price of air travel? Most of my conversation with David was about what he's working on at Breeze. But when I asked him about technology, he couldn't resist going back to the beginning of his career for just a minute. He started out booking package tours. Then, in the early 1980s, he launched an airline called Morris Air. And one of the first things he noticed was how inconvenient and inefficient paper tickets were. Tickets were... Um, like negotiable documents. They were like checks and they would be issued. And if you lost that thing, heaven forbid, basically they'd say, well, we'll have to wait 180 days or longer to see if anyone uses your ticket. And if they don't use it, then we'll give you a refund. And so I can still remember there was this guy named Stuart Thatcher and he walked to my office and he said, we have all these people upstairs putting tickets in envelopes and mailing them out to people. He said, why don't we just give them a confirmation number and then we'll 
we'll put it on these little things that we can run through a machine and it can fold it quickly and we'll just mail them a confirmation number. And then I looked at him and said, well, why would you give him a confirmation number over the phone? You, yeah. you sort of invented the... Uh... Yeah, tickless travel. Tickless travel, yeah. I mean, Southwest, when they purchased Morris Air, they didn't really realize what a great thing they did. So, okay. So that's the 40 years ago story. What is the thing you're doing now that 40 years from now, you're going to be like, back in 2022, I was doing X. What's X? Well, I think what, what X is is taking a page from Amazon and from Lyft and from Airbnb. You don't ever want to talk to anybody. You want to have an app that people can do everything on. And if they can't, and if they get like frustrated, you want to have the ability for someone to ask you a question in writing that you can give back to them and the goal is in less than 10 minutes and solve any issue they have. So that you never have to have a call center. And that's cheaper for you than a call center because what? Because it's asynchronous? Because you can be talking to six people at one time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That so you sense. have six people at one time. You can be dealing their issues because not, 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 you know, what's your confirmation number? They have to go find it or whatever. That takes time. So, okay. So that's a good one. So, so having people basically text instead of call, that's a technological innovation that's going to lower your costs. What else? What's another one? Well, it's, well, it starts with the app. You know, you have to have an app that's completely functional so you can self-help. So if we said, you know, you want to change a flight, change your own flight. You want to you know, if we, we've canceled a flight on you because of whatever reason, you know, we can send you the option. Push this button to book on the other flight we have you on or push this button to get a full refund and credit for your next flight. It's all the self-help things where you're taking care of yourself and you don't need to talk to one of us to do anything. And only when you get frustrated, then you actually text us. But having a, f a functional app that does all the stuff that an Uber app does or a an Amazon app does. Yeah. So, right. So in the same way that Amazon say makes it really easy to return things, right? So I don't have to call if I want to return something. I just click a couple buttons, print out the thing and it's done. I, I don't have to call yeah. them. It's like that. If I want to change my flight or anything like that. An app with full functionality as much as possible. And then we can add on to that. And then one more thing I want to mention, yeah. you know, yeah. if you book, if you book through Expedia or you book through you know, one of these other online travel agencies, we don't have your information. They keep it because they guard it. You can't book a reservation with us unless you give us your cell phone number or your email. Uh -huh. You have to give it to us. So that way, if there is a disruption or when there's boarding time and all that stuff, we can communicate directly with you all the time. Interesting. And, and usually airlines, about 40% or more, they don't have that information with their, for their customers. And we have that. Huh. So that that's another important factor that we just decided to start. It's hard to change that once you're going, but once you start from a clean white piece of paper, you can do that. And so presumably that not only allows you to whatever, text me updates about my flight, but it also allows you to text me updates if you have a discount on that flight in six months or whatever, right? right? Now I'm in the system. Yeah, you, you're in our database. We can do some data mining and figure out you know, what you like, what you don't like, and make sure that we target market instead of just blast out crap that you don't want to read. This, everything's relevant to you. So there's this, there's this trade-off I've heard you describe from when you were launching JetBlue that was super interesting to me. And I'm curious to hear you talk about that. And then I'm curious to learn whether there's any kind of analog in, in launching Breeze. And the trade-off for JetBlue was having live TV and not having meals. And this was a time when, A, you pretty much always got a meal on a 
long flight. And B, live TV on an airplane was like science fiction, right? It's 20 years mm -hmm. ago. Netflix was DVDs in the mail. You couldn't watch TV on your computer. So I remember it was wild having live TV. So tell me about launching an airline at that time that had live TV, but not meals. You know, it was a simple mathematical equation. You know, I, I have, it's well known that I have ADD. Um, and I just get, I used to hate to travel on airplanes because it was hard for me to read a book. It was, you know, hard to just sit there and I just wanted to be entertained. I didn't have, I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have an iPhone and I was just kind of going crazy the whole time. And so I was sitting in my office and I was trying to figure out if we could have movies in the seat backs and, and, and there was a couple of different outfits that were doing that. And then, you know, one of our people walked in with this brochure and said, Hey, there's live television on these, on these private jets. Why don't we put that on our airplanes? And it was just like, boom, that you know, light went on and we talked to them and it was about a dollar a passenger per flight. And the other guys were paying about five bucks for meals. I thought, hmm. For meals, uh-huh. Yeah, it's like five bucks for meals or one buck for live TV. You know, and I can just have baskets of snacks that cost less than a dollar. What's going to be more impactful with my brand new airplanes? And it just kind of blew everybody away. It was, it was something that was so new and so exciting. And, and it changed flying. Right. It was so unexpected, especially for what was basically a discount airline at launch. Like, so you got to move like that now? What is that but for Breeze? You know, I think I think just getting on and, and flying first class for fifty percent more than coach, having streaming, you know, internet, being served a Flamingon sandwich. So first class, first class for about how much? Like, give me an example of a first class fare on a route. Well, because of the configuration of the airplane, we only have to get fifty percent more for the ticket. So if we have a ticket for two hundred bucks for an extra hundred dollars, you can go first class. So people right now are flying. What what's a transcontinental route you have going right now? Um, we fly to Charleston, San Francisco. So are people right now flying from Charleston to San Francisco first class for $300? Yeah, 300 bucks each way. Okay, 600 bucks round trip. Still very good. I I will admit I'm, I'm going to California and I paid 600 bucks more to fly coach. So I find that a compelling offer. So the cheap, cheap, relatively speaking, first class ticket is a, is a big move. How do you do that? How do you get the cost down so you can do that? Well, we have you know fuel-efficient airplanes that are per seat, the most fuel-efficient airplanes in the sky. Um, you know, having less overhead and, and less, not thousands of IT people, but you know, tens of IT uh -huh. people, and just trying to you know be efficient and use technology every step of the way. So, is the place where your costs are lower than other airlines not so much the on the plane part? Not so much the pilots and the flight attendants, but rather having fewer IT people, fewer fewer customer service people. That's where you're hoping to really drive down costs. Yes, but it's really technology that that drives um, all that. And if you start with a clean white sheet of paper, it's just a lot easier to do that than if you you know stuck with a bunch of legacy systems. Um, I want to talk about routes now. Uh, I feel like routes are. Like kind of part of the like fun inside baseball of how what's actually going on with airlines. You know, we get dazzled by a TV in the seats, but there's these weird route choices that seem to make a big difference. And that's another one where maybe it's worth just briefly to talk about JetBlue, because I feel like that was also clearly one of the big moves there. And in particular, was the first route at JetBlue uh, flying out of JFK to Fort Lauderdale? Like that, that was a clever strategic move, right? Tell me about that choice. Well, you know, JFK was interesting because JFK was pretty much an abandoned airport. So you'd go to you'd go JFK to LA, you'd go to London, Paris, yeah. all around the world. 
but you wouldn't fly to Miami from JFK. And like, why not? It was funny because when I was running, my, I was raising money for JetBlue in New York City. I'd meet these people and say, and they'd say, oh, I live in Manhattan. I'm never going to go to JFK to go to Florida. Because it's so much farther than LaGuardia, because it's an hour instead of a half hour, right? LaGuardia is a half hour, and JFK is an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, it depends on where you live in Manhattan, but it was it's yeah. eight miles. Well, eight miles in New York City could be a long eight miles, yeah. Yeah, it could be a lot. So I said, I don't care, because people leave from their homes, and I got five million people that live in Queens and Brooklyn and Long Island that are closer or as close as LaGuardia, and I'll take care of those people. I don't need anyone from Manhattan. Uh-huh. But, you know, obviously when we had the live TVs and leather seats, the Manhattanites spent that extra 30 minutes coming out to JFK. So was the idea that it was cheaper to get a gate at JFK in the middle of the day than it was at LaGuardia because nobody was flying out of there then? I mean, was that the core sort of thing? Well, LaGuardia was slot controlled, so we couldn't fly to there if we wanted to at the time. So it was all full. So it's okay, all full. The national growth in air traffic was exponentially more than New York was. New York was being held down by really high fares because nobody was uh-huh. adding service out of JFK. And that airport uh-huh. was pretty well. During the day, you could shoot a cannon down the runway and not hit anything. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, that that was available and it was less delayed flights at the time and all of that stuff that made it such a compelling story, not to mention all the people that lived closer to JFK than lived closer to LaGuardia. Yeah. So it was really Manhattan centric bias that you were overcoming. That was the real move there. Yeah. Well, I noticed, so so let's talk about Breeze now and the routes you've chosen for Breeze, right? In terms of New York, where I live, I noticed you fly into Westchester, which is the suburbs north of New York, and Islip, which is basically the suburbs east of New York, but you don't fly into LaGuardia or JFK or Newark. Your inaugural flight was Tampa, Florida to Charleston, South Carolina, which is unexpected to me. So like, Tell me what's going on. Well, like, tell me about the route strategy for, for Breeze. Well, uh, it's a little on fact that every airline has to put all of their data into and send it to the DOT, and the DOT puts it in a database. To the Department of Transportation. The transportation. So we, we know who flies between what routes on an annual basis, quarterly, um, and what they paid. And what they paid for their ticket. Oh, great. So it's like complete competitive intelligence is available to anybody who wants to mine it. So we look at it and we say, what's the largest market from, from Richmond, Virginia, that's unserved nonstop? And what's the average person paying? And it was San Francisco. So all these people were flying, whatever, Richmond to Salt Lake City to San Francisco or Richmond to Charlotte to San Francisco, but there was no direct flight. Yes, no direct flights. And so we have our own little special sauce that we use in our little formula that if we say, if we can take someone nonstop, if we can, you know, the fare is down 30% and we go nonstop, we can X times the size of the market. We can make it four times bigger, five times bigger, in some cases, 20 times bigger. So you're saying if you make it cheaper because you're cheaper and more convenient because it's nonstop, lots more people will do it. Yes. Uh We'll do it and it's more convenient and they just go more often. And so, I mean, the core move you're making is flying nonstop out of and often between kind of second tier cities, markets, right? I mean, that's the core thing you're doing. Flying between cities that don't have nonstop service, basically. And it, you know, those are would more, more likely be a secondary market. And so is this, I mean, 
why wasn't anybody doing this before? Like, it seems like very straightforward when you put it that way. Like there's just money on the table, is it? Well, if you don't have to do it and you can make people drive down to JFK, you know, from Connecticut where I lived, or you can make them drive down and you don't have to do it, why do it? You know, it just splits up your market. Is some part of this, like, it seems like there's a pendulum, there's been this pendulum in American uh, commercial air over the last, I don't know, 20 years or something, where first there was this period of consolidation where airlines were going bankrupt, getting acquired, there was less and less competition. And now it seems like we're going back the other way. There are lots of new airlines doing things like you're doing. I mean, is that is this that story? Is this like, you know, sort of the market working as intended where people go to business and there's opportunity and then you come and start a new airline and be like, oh, there's an opportunity to fly from Westchester to Las Vegas. I mean, is that a way of framing the story? I think it's more that, you know, kind of as the airlines got um, you know, higher costs and, and, you know, after their bankruptcies and then they started building costs back up again, they, they started saying, well, we can make a lot more money if we just fly um, to our hubs. So if we can take everyone to our hubs and we can connect them and if we can go up to a 200-seat airplane instead of a 130-seat airplane, that works better. And, you know, what's, what's happening today with the, with the pilot shortage, you know, regional airlines can't hire pilots, enough pilots to – and there's about 300 of those airplanes that are grounded – so cities like Richmond and and Charleston, they used to always have these little spokes that would go to the hubs. A lot of those are not they're they're canceling service to those cities. So uh-huh. it's a combination of the focus on the hubs, not being able to fly the regional flights, um, that have, have has really created a, a really great opportunity for us. In a minute, speaking of the pilot shortage, what's going on with air travel this summer? Why is everybody suddenly warning us that flying is just going to be one problem after another? You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, My kids, so far. Uh, To-do lists. Uh, This month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. (coughs) Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, 
their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Let's talk about the pilot shortage and staffing more generally. I know you uh, had to postpone launching some new routes. It seemed like kind of at the last minute recently. Yeah. Is that partly because you can't hire enough people fast enough? No, it's it has nothing to do with that. We have plenty of people that we've hired, and and uh, it was more an issue of training and it had a little bit to do with the FAA. We had a a certification process for our new aircraft that was supposed to take uh, six months. It's always taken six months. This took eight months, you know, because of COVID and all that, you know, the staffing issues at the FAA. So we ran into that two month delay and uh, we finally just ran out of runway, had to push it back. And now we're, we're, we're in good shape now, but it, yeah, it was painful. And, you know, it's, it's never going to happen again for sure. It's just for us, it's the training pipeline. And now we've got a lot more analytics and, we brought in a whole new team, a new COO, a new president, a, you know, new chief people officer, and and they're you know doing a heck of a lot better. So, did you just reorganize the company a year after you started it? Yeah. Uh, what went wrong? You know, because you know we weren't doing a good enough job of uh, you know anticipating and doing the analytics and making sure that you know the communication between operations and and our commercial side making sure that it was just, you know, flawless. And, uh, you know, we just can't disappoint our, our guests anymore. You know, we have to run, we have to be flawless on everything we can control. There's enough that we can't control, but we need to be perfect on what we can't control. There is, it happened in this broader context, right? Everybody's saying like, if you could not fly this summer, don't fly this summer. And there's too many people and not enough pilots. Is that not the case for you? Do you think that's not the case for anybody? Like, help me understand that sort of broader context of the way people are talking about air travel right now. I don't ever remember people talking about it quite like they are right now. Well, you know, I think COVID really put a dent in the in the industry from a training perspective, because what the first thing that happened was, you know, the airlines got paid $53 billion, uh, you know, to kind of keep people on staff. But what they decided to do was to use some of that money to retire pilots, the most expensive pilots. So there was about 7,000 pilots that left. Huh. So they left the industry. 7,000? Give me, I don't have any context. What's the denominator? Out of how many? Or how do I parse that number? I would guess probably at, at the big airline, you know, 50,000 pilots or okay. less. Okay. So it was a big chunk of, of what they had. But it created this trickle-down effect because, you know, when you have to train someone, it takes two months to train someone for a new airplane, and then they have this initial operating experience. And if you've got five or six aircraft types, you're, you're really just doing a lot of training to backfill for those 7,000. And then you pull from your regional airlines, you call, you know, you go to SkyWest and you go to, 
Republic and hire all their pilots away. And then you put them in and everyone's changing airplanes. And that yeah. whole process is just is very time consuming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they just saw the demand coming back and put flights on as we did. And, you know, the, the training is really what um, was the, the hiccup. The training is get that in, in a similar way to getting you, it's getting everybody. Yeah. Are there things you've tried to figure out either at Breeze or at previous airlines you've started or run that you haven't figured out yet that you're still kind of working on? Is there some sort of, you know, problem you're still trying to solve that you haven't quite got right yet that you that you're returning to or you want to return to? I think the, you know, the challenge is you've got, and I'm not, I haven't looked at it recently, but you have a company like Priceline that has booking.com and they, you know, at one time they were worth a hundred billion dollars. You want to book a hotel and they're worth more than all the airlines combined. If you add them all up, they're worth more than one company. So, well, airlines are famously a really bad business, right? Like you got to, you got to pay for the planes, you got to buy gas, you got all this regulation. Like it's a hard business. It is, but nobody books a hotel before they book an airline ticket. They always book the airline ticket first. Um, and so there's no reason why we can't put that together using automation to be able to give them everything and do it better than, than can be done if you a la carte it and piecemeal it. So I think that's kind of the holy grail of being able to kind of put a concert ticket with a rental car or a transportation in a hotel, but doing it through automation, not the old tour operator style, but something where you can, you know, create that and do it. Because I think being able to profit from that trip all the way through it, as opposed to just the airfare, I think that's really kind of where we need to be. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're building the business that's most essential, but the least profitable piece of the trip, right? Exactly right. So we, you know, we, we got to do, we got to do better at that. And we have our database of people. So I'm trying to think, is there a model? Like who's come closest to that? Well, there's package companies that, you know, sell packages, but a pure a la carte, you pull a la carte where you can just go click, 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 click. This is what you want. And you change the click and it changes the amount and you click, click, click. You know, you go three star, four star, five star. Yeah. But now you're just back to kayak or something, right? Like it's not obvious why the airline should be at the center of that. Well, it's because we're the, if without us, nothing happens. Sort of. But like, why should it be that the airline is fixed and the hotel is variable? Like, why not have them all be variable, right? In Brazil, you know, yeah. take my airline in Brazil. I have the largest airline in Brazil. It's uh, called Azul. And I was pushing, I hired all these people, they were airline people, to help me start the airline. I started as a package tour operator. That's how I started way back. So I'm pushing them, pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. We got to do this. We got to do this. And we're, we we're do a lot of business traffic down there. So Saturdays, we have a bunch of airplanes laying around, not doing anything. And Sunday mornings, we don't fly. And I said, it's perfect. We got all these planes laying around. And so it took years and it took a lot of work. But today, we fly um, on the weekends. We have like 250 flights that take off on Saturday morning and go between areas out to these leisure destinations for a week's stay that we don't fly to during the week. And we're utilizing those airplanes. And that is a $400 million business that we have. So it's, it's you know, and, and it's very profitable because we have the hotels, we have the airfare, we have all that. So people in Brazil are more accustomed to buying those types of packages than they are in the U.S. But, you know, it's it's an idea that, you know, I, I think um, we could use a lot of that up here. And, and even today, we don't fly our planes a lot on Saturday. So we could do the same type of flying to Cancun or something. 
you started off as doing package tours when you were basically a kid, right? When you were in your early 20s. And then you went yeah. on, started all these airlines worth lots of money and that did interesting things. And basically, it sounds like you're just trying to get back to booking package tours again. That's right. I mean, airline people don't think that way. They don't think about the whole revenue picture. It's just not what they do. They think about operating an airline and choosing a route and pricing the route and maintaining the airplanes and training the pilots. And it's like, well, what about making money and all this other stuff? Uh, we're just busy doing this. You know, you have to kind of think on a, on a different plane to be able to pull that off. And even we're guilty of it too. You know, we had anticipated doing that, but we're so focused on what we're doing, we haven't done it ourselves. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Now let's get back to the show. I want to ask you just a few quick lightning round questions to close. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone trying to solve a hard problem? Uh, simplify it. My, my team is always like, it's not that simple. I'm like, why isn't it? <laughs> Prove to me it's not that simple. I think sometimes it's it looks harder than it is, but you have to put some creativity in it. And that's kind of my, I think, gift is to be able to look at really complicated things and simplify it. How long before departure time do you get to the airport? 
my wife checks a bag, so we always try and get there at least an hour before because I don't want to get cut off on the uh, checking the bag thing. Uh, if I didn't, it would be less than an hour. I had this. I always have the saying that if you if you don't miss a, a flight every now and then, um, you spend too much time in airports. Um, so you've been fired twice that I'm aware of, and I'm mm -hmm. curious, what's your advice for you know the most important thing? Say someone should do when they get fired. Um, they should look at it as an opportunity and say, okay, what can I create? And when I got fired from Southwest, I created JetBlue. When I got demoted from the CEO to the chairman at JetBlue, I went and started Azul. And Azul is the most important thing I've ever done, really. We fly 80,000 people a day. And we have a logistics company that's on par with FedEx or UPS in Brazil that can deliver to 4,800 zip codes. Used to be a, two weeks to do that. Now we can do it in two days. And that's, that business is huge for us. So, you know, I, it's, if had I never been, um, you know, fired at JetBlue from the CEO job, Azul wouldn't exist. And that is the most important thing I've done thus far. Um, peanuts or pretzels? Uh, peanuts, of course. More protein. Um, favorite airport to be stuck at? Well, my Terminal 5, JetBlue in, in JFK, it's got a lot of options. a great place. Still, though? You still, still, you, you still like it there? Yeah, sure. It's okay. it's my baby. What's the next airline you're going to start? I think this is it. I'm good. Uh, I've done enough, and uh, I think uh, Breeze is going to be great, and then I'm just going to enjoy it. David Nieleman is the founder and CEO of Breeze. Today's show was produced by Edith Russelo, engineered by Amanda K. Wong, and edited by Robert Smith. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and I would love to know who else you think we should book for the show. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. That's problem at pushkin.fm. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Goldstein. We'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry, and me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.